Welcome to the Buck Stops here, the official audio program from NottonHallOfFame.com, and I'm your host, Kirk Buckner, the Buck, the owner, the operator of NottonHallOfFame.com, and the sister sites, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame and the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In season one, episode 34 of the Hall of Fame show, and Evan Nolan and I, we started this show so earnestly, uh, looking at uh, racial inequality in the United States, how athletes have their voice and they're using it and how I support that. I'm a big proponent of free speech and for people saying what needs to be said or what they feel needs to be said. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, and that really depends on your point of view, and that's okay. That's the beautiful thing about living in a place where your voice can be heard. And yet, for something that started so earnestly, we wound up with Punky Brewster and that, no, I'm not really, we wound up talking about Punky Brewster. The early 80s show. I, I, I don't know how we did it, but we did it. So it's a very strange show, but I think it's a really fun show. If it gets a little too deep in the first half hour, just, uh, you know, fast forward, move on a little bit. We do have some serious Hall of Fame topics uh, that we discussed. Bill Nunn has been named a Contributor Hall of Fame, legendary scout of the Steelers organization, so we looked at that. Tony Dungy replaces... Uh, Larry Michael on the Pro Football Hall of Fame committee, so we talk about that. And the Baseball Hall of Fame didn't really have a great week as they postponed their meetings for the Golden Era Committee and the Early Days Committee. So I'm going to bring in Evan, and again, sit back, relax, or fast forward a lot, because we are all over the place. And I like it. I I think it was Camu that said, She's strange, and I like it. I mean, there's no she here if we want to call a podcast a she. But pronouns are different now, aren't they? So let's run with that. Without further ado, here's Evan. Mr. Nolan, hopefully all is well in the lovely city of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm presuming you're actually calling me over the top story of the week. Oh, which, is, of course, is how, how many athletes, Olympic athletes does Hungary have? Because oh. for the 19th consecutive week during my, my roll call of people who have passed away <laughs> this week, there's been a Hungarian Olympic athlete. There are actually two this week. The, 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 how, how, many athletes, how many athletes do they have and why are they dying? Who is secretly killing Hungarian Olympic athletes? That's what I want to know. This could be a bad show on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, there, there are two this week. It's ridiculous because, I mean, I didn't check the week that Vinny did the show. Mm-hmm. But ever since I was like, oh, there are a lot of there, there are like three Hungarians some point in like April. I was like, wow, that's a lot of Hungarian Olympic athletes, and I've seen every single week since then. There have been multiple. This time there was a rower and a fencer. But they even have there weren't there wasn't a single American Olympic athlete who died this week. How is that possible? Can you explain this to me? I know this is the number one thing everyone wants to hear us talk about, but how is this possible? You know, it's clean living. <laughs> it's, it's the clean living on the part of the Americans? Because that doesn't seem true. Well, no, it's clean living on the part of Hungarians. I mean, look, you know why the biggest reason I don't necessarily exercise all that much and eat well and drink excessively to death? Because athletes die at the same rate as non-athletes. <laughs> Sometimes earlier. So you, might, <laughs> uh, so you might as well enjoy yourself while you're here? As, as much as I can. I also... I'm, I'm terrible at it. I'm a klutz. Two left feet. I tripped out of the womb. 
I get no respect. This <laughs> <laughs> is crap like that. Thank you for that making was, this light. Was, at the that was beginning. very good. That that was your best. Uh, that was your best impression. Yeah, even better than your Gretzky one. Oh, oh, I've been working on my Justin Trudeau, but I'll, I'll save oh, that. Nice. Well, it's basically just uh, apologizing and then giving money. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I will say this: most of, most. Uh, most people in this state would trade our president for yours very, very easily. So, uh, yeah, uh, you, you've got some people who, again, yeah, they have, you know, come, come for the lasagna, stay for the steak. And we're talking about politics, but uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's some people, and we've talked about this before, sort of offline, that I would trade Trudeau for, who was a possible DNC uh, hopeful. <laughs> but mm. yeah, well, that that's some yes, some more. But it doesn't it doesn't matter. Trudeau is uh, yeah, uh, and you'll and you'll hear it here first. In the next twelve months, I guarantee you that tr- you will hear that Trudeau is se- is separated from his spouse. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, our president is separated from his first two, so it happens. Yeah, yeah, but I think in Trudeau's case, he said, "Look, we can role play. I've got all these costumes in here in the closet." Oh God, <laughs> I got it now. Sorry, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, took, I, took, took, I was a little slow on the uptake, but I after you like you know threw the darts at my head, I realized what was going on. Well, so. I, I don't expect everyone to know about Trudeau's sort of uh, blackface, brownface scandal. He actually got away with the third one because I don't think most people even saw the third picture that came out. Yeah, I, I know it happened, but that's about as far as I know. So there's there's so much going on every day that it's almost impossible to keep up. So and we managed although, to keep it light, <laughs> amazingly. Yeah, I, although I do have to say today, I saw an incredible metaphor today. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first time since May, I went. I have a client who unfortunately has had um, had uh, Parkinson's disease for eleven years now, oh, and it's man. really gotten to the point where he's probably doesn't have that long to live. So I went and saw him and his wife and their accountant and their three kids and a couple of grandkids. I brought, went over there to talk about the, all the end of life stuff while he was there. So we could go through everything. But on my way there, I'm taking I-90 and it, it, I know you've never probably driven down I-90 in Chicago in the last five years, but Not every other five. ad on the side is for restore hair care on the billboards restore with Brian Urlacher on them. And so I'm driving on the highway and a couple of cop cars go flying by me. I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder who they're after. And all of a sudden I start seeing smoke. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a lot of smoke. And I drive, I pass the Allstate Arena and there is an 18 wheeler with his entire back on fire, not the cab, but like the entire, whatever was hauling, the whole thing is just on fire on the side of the road. And it's right underneath the Restore Brian Urlacher billboard, which today seemed appropriate. Yeah, he kind of stuck his foot in his mouth again. Well, not again. I don't think yeah. he was, was he ever known for doing that. He's he's pretty Republican, uh, but uh, the most interesting thing that happened about her to this was uh, Lance Briggs's Hall of Fame uh, campaign got much stronger today because <laughs> <laughs> everyone was talking about how Briggs was actually the real best linebacker on those Bears teams. Uh, so that he, he Briggs was actually trending today because of her locker on Twitter, which was funny. Oh, actually, and I just blanked. Like, what did he say again? 
Well, the the kid who shot two people, uh, oh, yeah. he uh, yeah. he liked the tweet saying that he was an American hero, and that more essentially more people needed to be like him. And then also tweeted that uh, that Brett Favre, after his dad died, oh that's uh, right, played, yeah, yeah, yeah. played, and then and he didn't understand the NBA people walking out was basically a, a joke. So. Okay. All right. You know. All right. This is actually sort of. I told you I was going to do a rant today. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on one second. Hold on. I'm going to the closet here. <clears throat> all right. I got the soapbox out. The biggest one I got. Okay. Go for it. All right. I appreciate that. I'm I'm a short individual, <laughs> so I, I got to sort of like do a, a running leap for it. Five foot eight is uh, not a, 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 a box jump. A box jump. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Running leap. Here we go. Uh, you know. For people listening to the for the first time, and hey, welcome. You know, Evan Thank and you, I. Yes. Thank you for listening. Yeah, th- thanks so much. We're not the best p- two people to maybe talk about race issues. Uh, we're two middle-aged white guys. I'm approaching fifth. I just turned forty-eight, by the way, which is depressing. Yeah, happy birthday! I meant to say that. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday yesterday, yesterday right? Uh, two days ago. Two days ago. Yes. Two days ago. I apologize. No, no, I'll get. But I'll happy get. birthday. Yeah. So, but you know, you know, it's, I guess I'm in that back nine to sort of sound depressed, but you know, I'm, I'm really not depressed. Things are pr- are pretty good. So, but we, you know, you and I, we've had long conversations on it. I, I've had a great show with Fonda Bryant uh, from Charlotte, an African American woman, the daughter of uh, soul legend Johnny Taylor, who is a suicide counselor and has worked with a lot of athletes in the NCAA. So I've covered this a lot, so I really don't want to – but what I really want to cover today that's really been bothering me, and it sort of ties in with what uh, with what Erlacher sort of said, and I would think that if anyone would understand, it would be him, uh, not because of his color, but because he's a former athlete and a longtime athlete. One of my things that I'm really passionate about, as, as you know, Evan, is free speech, but – I also believe that if you're saying something colossally stupid, you, you're going to be held accountable for it, but I will defend your right to say it. Uh, this goes for every, every athlete, all of them. So when I'm hearing or reading mostly, I, sh- I should say, uh, you know, people just say, shut up and play, shut up and dribble, uh, shut up and pass the puck. No. Uh, if you want to shut up and do that, fine. If you want to, to make something socially conscious, great, do that. Not only is it your right to do so, your employer is saying to do so. You're not breaching anything. Now, I get that it's sort of, that this is our escape. It, it's probably different for you in, in Chicago. Uh, I can escape it a lot easier than you can, I think, being in Barbados. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with this uh, more so than I should be, but you know, like I was sort of saying the United States pop culture growing up as a Canadian in the seventies, we, we, most of us thought Canada sucked. <laughs> you know, you had the rockets, red glare, the American revolution, uh, no taxation without representation. We, you know, I don't, I didn't see the flaws as a, as a kid growing up. Uh, I, I just saw that you you had all these great TV shows, and we had the Beachcombers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had Willie Nelson. We had Ann Murray. It, it's it's not the same. 
You know, then we, we, in 1972, we beat the Russians in this amazing hockey series and you did it with a bunch of 20 year olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, here, hold my beer. And I, I called the United States like right, right before we were talking. It's, it's like, it's my first crush. I, I, and I stalk you, USA, on Facebook. I don't want to date you anymore, but I still, if you're putting out a bikini pic, I want to look. But I'm checking out the folds. Like, oh, that wasn't there before. I don't know. It's a lot of, it's complicated for me. And it's complicated, I think, for far more Americans than, than it is for just some Canadian fanboy who's still trying to right. rationalize rationalize this. But one of the tenets of the U.S. is free speech, and I believe that. And what sort of pisses me off is especially the biggest proponents, uh, you know, the right wing, of free speech. Well, okay, so they're doing exactly the way you want you want them to do that. You just don't agree with it. And I hate it. I despise extremism. I don't see any of that going on right now with people, with NBA players who are saying what they feel. It's their right to do it. I applaud them for doing it. I don't agree with everything that everyone says. Deshaun Jackson, I'm looking at you. And even LeBron James, I looked at you for your comments on China or your lack thereof. But you know what? Right. I, yeah, and because it did come off hypocritical, but then I thought about it more. China's more my passion. Uh, my wife is of Chinese descent from Indonesia, and it was sort of the opposite. The Chinese were the ones who were persecuted later on. So, and I worked for a Chinese company, and I know how a lot of them think. I had people who I worked for say, no, there, there was no Tiananmen Square massacre. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But that's something I'm more passionate about. I don't, as I'm sort of looking back just a little bit later, so, yeah, LeBron's been there 15 times. Is he going to the, he's go, is he going to the places where there's the Muslims in internment camps? No. If he doesn't know about that at that time or he chooses not to, he's got all these obligations. It's not just the money that he can make from endorsements. It's his friends. It's the league. It's like when right. it, it's like when a free agent, and I think it's more appropriate like as a Jays fan when this happened a lot, and you'd hear from the Jay, it's like, okay, you know, I really want to stay. And then they'd sign with Boston or New York for a lot more money. Like, hey, why are you doing that? You said you wanted to stay, and they probably did. But by signing for more, you help your friends or your coworkers or the union do better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, long story short, uh, with that's really where I where I want to go with that. Uh, as much as a lot of the players will sometimes say, like, you know, you've never done this. Yeah, you're right. We've never done this, but we're going to have an opinion on. Hey, hey, Harden, you played really bad defense today. Mm-hmm. And we're right. entitled to it. They're entitled to have opinions too. They don't have to go out. They're playing. They're not playing for us individually. Yes, it's an escape. I want it to be an escape. But they're people. They're not actors. If you hate what Robert De Niro says, I'll use him as an example. Uh, sometimes like what he says. I think he can say it a lot more eloquently. About his dislike right. for certain people, but I can separate Robert De Niro and his political opinion, which I agree with some of it, and still enjoy everything he does in Goodfellas. 
I get that when you're watching LeBron, it's still the same guy. Mm-hmm. So that's my big passion right here is for pretty much everyone bashing them for saying just shut up and dribble. Uh, I think it was was that Laura Ingram, I believe, who said that in Fox. Uh, and, yeah. And regardless of your political opinion, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who agree with everything he says who just don't want to think about it right now. Well, it's his right to say it. It's his right to say it. You don't have to necessarily listen to it. But defend his right to say it. That is my opinion. That's my strong opinion. I might have turned off a bunch of people. So be it. I do think it's interesting, though. People are usually saying, shut up and dribble. And it's more Ingraham or whatever, how that's her name. But most of those people are like, shut up and dribble. And like, you're a plumber or a, or a financial advisor or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, that's not your job either. So why does her opinion somehow... Why aren't they allowed to say it, but you are? It's a weird thing. But I just want to go back to uh, to something that uh, the, the – well, he was on the Nationals last year. Honestly, I haven't watched that much baseball because the Red Sox are a complete utter dumpster fire. Um, but uh, uh, Sean Doolittle, who pitched for the Nationals last year, and I'm not sure he is now, probably the most woke person in baseball, mm-hmm. Uh, said something in July, which I, I've thought about and it's been resonating with me. Oh, okay. He essentially said, and I hope I quote him right, that sports are a reward for a functioning society. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things that right now the people who are who are playing the sports for us, and I'm, I'm going to – I know the Bucks were the first team to just not take the court, but I can tell you the Raptors – Mm-hmm. have been talking about it for multiple days before the uh, Bucks decide not to take the court. And the Celtics have been talking about it with them. They just didn't have a game to play. Um, but if you're, I mean, I'm going to take the Celtics because I know them very well. I'm a Boston guy. Um, but Jalen Brown for most of May, and Jalen is 22 years old, was down leading protest marches in Atlanta before the bubble started. Like he drove down to Atlanta to go do it. Jason Tatum was leading protest marches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they give a damn. I mean, if you ask Jalen Brown, he's as great a basketball player as he's becoming. He's more likely, he thinks, to have a bigger impact and after his, his plans to have a bigger impact after his basketball career, being an advocate, things like that. And if people don't feel those guys are in a bubble, they literally can't interact with what's going on in the outside world until they're eliminated mm-hmm. from, from playoff contention. And if they feel that they are powerless to, to really say what they want and participate in what they think is important to do, they took the, an option available to them, and not an option that's only been taken once previously by, in 1961 but when... Uh, Bill Russell and Oscar Robertson led the protest at halftime that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't come out of the locker room until the owners caved and, and gave them free agency and a few other things, uh, basically collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their entire right to do so. And if if the same people who are saying to everyone, "Don't protest in the streets," you can't protest like that; it's too violent, are also the same ones who are mad at Colin Kaepernick for kneeling and for the basketball players deciding not to play. By the way, that game that the, um, that, uh, Bucks protested in the pin, 
beautifully the Betsy DeVos family owned Orlando Magic refused to accept the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the forfeit. That that forfeit came or that uh, refusing to play came four years to the day of Kaepernick kneeling for the first time. Which if, I, football game. if I remember correctly, nobody even noticed he did it until the second week or third. Yeah, well, the the first the first time it was a preseason game because he'd been he'd been sitting, and mm-hmm. then he asked what to do in the future because him, Eric Reed, and I can't think of who the third person was, and I apologize to whoever that athlete was. They're just not springing to mind right now. Mm-hmm. But the three of them kneeled together, but Kaepernick was a. Kaepernick was a quarterback. Eric Reed has been in the league ever since, and he's been kneeling the whole time. Yeah, um, and, and but, yeah, Kaepernick's. I, I feel like I'm sort of interjecting, or just I, I, Kaepernick's sort of an interesting character for me. I love his message. I wish he'd vote. I, I really yeah. Do. That was the biggest. That was uh, the biggest disappointment with Kaepernick. And I truly he, believe he, he, he led that whole protest mm-hmm. and then never even bothered to vote. And I also truly believe he doesn't. He's known for a couple of years. He doesn't want to play. I, 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 I could be wrong. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I mean, I think he's far more comfortable there, and I think maybe there's a narrative involved. Maybe, maybe not. He's been kind of quiet, though. I, I was looking looking at his Twitter. He hasn't said anything in the past few weeks. A couple retweets here and there. It's interesting. Yeah, that is that is a good point. Yeah, I don't know where so, I'm going with this too, Evan. It's just something I was noticing because, again, uh, I love his message. I loved it from day one. I, I really have. I just – and I think that's sort of why I'm looking more at LeBron for his go out and vote. And that's what I encourage everyone to do. And I'm not saying – I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I, you vote for whatever you, whatever you feel is best. And if you're an informed democracy, which is what it was all meant to be. With everyone going out and participating, the whole idea works. Right. Or maybe it's but just my thing, boy. I don't know. I, I do think that we hit a sea change this week in sports and activism. Mm-hmm. Um, Goodell basically came out and said that he wished that he had listened to Kaepernick sooner. Yes. This week. He did say that. Uh, we've had all sorts of teams like the Milwaukee Brewers after the Bucks refused to play. The Brewers refused to play. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, of the four major sports, baseball is by far the most right-leaving overall with their, with their players. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, they, and they led that way. Uh, and they went over. And I don't know, did you see the Baltimore Ravens statement today? No. I, I, I know they put one out, but I hadn't had the chance to uh, read that. The Ravens' statement is the most call to action, direct to the point, this is what we should be doing statement that any, I would say, almost any organization has ever put out, ever. It's, it's incredible, exactly what it says. And everyone who, it's unprecedented. Regardless of what side you're on, it's completely unprecedented. And you have to understand I hate the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> but this, like, they're my, are they my most hated team in the NFL right now? Because the Colts aren't good enough for me to hate anymore. And, I mean, the Jets like to think that they're a, a, a football team. And it's impossible to hate the Bills or the Dolphins. So I think it may be the Ravens are my most hated team at the moment now I think about it. Right, and their statement is, is 
is stunning in what it says. What um, I mean, uh, I don't know if you heard the, the owner of uh, Real Salt Lake in MLS came out and because the Real Salt Lake players refused to play yesterday. And he said if they continue to do that, it might uh, affect his, his willingness to invest in the team if it's, if it's going to hurt his bottom line. Mm. This, of course, being the same guy who bought a $1.3 million coin earlier this year uh, because it was rare. Um, so I'm sure that the $250,000 is losing in concessions is really going to kill him. Um, and then the MLS, Doug Garber came out. I think it was Garber. I don't even remember who the commissioner of the MLS is, but I saw the statement. Came out and was like, we respect what he had to say, but he's wrong. These are things that would never, ever happen right. four years ago. It's gonna, br- yeah. Actually, I, I'm gonna bring this up here. Uh, do you mind if I read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. With statement from the Baltimore Ravens, with yet another example of racial discrimination, with the shooting of Jacob Blake and the unlawful abuse of peaceful protesters, we must unify as a society. It is imperative that all people, regardless of race, religion, creed, or belief, come together to say enough is enough. This is bigger than sports. Racism is embedded in the fabric of our nation's foundation and is, and is a blemish on our country's history. If we are to change course and make our world a better place, we must face this problem head on and act now to enact positive change. It is time to accept accountability and acknowledge the ramifications of slavery and racial injustice. And I think there is more. Yep. Although we cannot right all the wrongs of our country's history, we can. Arrest and charge the police officers responsible for Breonna Taylor's killing and the shooting of Jacob Blake. Demand that Senator Mitch McConnell bring the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020 to the Senate floor for vote. And qualified immunity require body cameras, ban chokeholds, and no-knock warrants, hold police accountable in court, establish a framework to prohibit racial profiling at federal, state, and local levels, support state and federal mandated uh, I don't know what this means. Uh, C-A-L-E-A? Uh, that, I'll, I'll look. Keep going. Okay. Uh, accreditation and national standards of care in policing. So apologies as I don't know what that acronym stands for. Uh, encourage everyone to engage in the political process by registering to vote amen on both the local and national level. And oh, they even got sort of a, a link here. Demand prison sentencing reform that is fair and equitable. Encourage every citizen to act with respect. Yeah. And compliance when engaging with the police. I love this. If you feel that there has been abuse of power, we encourage you to contact your police department's internal affairs unit. And then they provide the one for Baltimore. We will use our platform to drive change now. Not just for our generation, but for the generations that follow. For our sons and daughters and for their children. All right. Bravo. That's great. Have you ever seen a statement like that from anyone at any point, any organization? Oh, God, no. Uh, it's usually lather, rinse, repeat, and then everyone's kind of victim shaming, or not just victim shaming. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of shaming like, okay, ours is out. When are you going to do it? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, when, when is this going to come out eventually, right? Yeah. There is no mealy mouthness, regardless of whether you believe everything they say or not. And you and I both happen to be on this side of believing it. Uh, for those listeners who haven't figured that out yet, yeah, the, uh, that is that is as direct and to the point, and with concrete solutions. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, 
other than saying this is terrible, we should do something. This is like this is terrible, we should do something, and here's what we should do. Yeah. And and I guess okay, since we've already gone down this rabbit hole, all right, I'll just sort of like go further. Look, uh, I don't care that that uh, there there were some things that didn't make Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and uh, Jacob Blake necessarily the, these pristine citizens. I don't give a shit. I really don't because there's what, what's the old saying? The end justifies the means. Well, apparently it doesn't, does it? it, it none, all three of these people should be here with us. Every single one of them. I don't want to hear about their flaws because it doesn't matter with what's happened. None of that's relevant to me. Not one lick of it. All right. I'm, I'm, I, I need a bigger soapbox. <laughs> oh God! I don't know if I have a big one in the back. I have a smaller to put on the bigger one. Will that help? Yeah, that'll, that'll definitely help. I, I got one. Okay. Du- I got one dumb question here. Is it sort of a Canadian not understanding uh, understanding everything? State power. And again, sorry, this is not obviously what everyone came here for. But oh well. Well, uh, it's, it's it's been a it, there. We have one big thing, right? It's been an, it, not that exciting a week in terms of Hall of Fame, except for the. Uh, yeah, Pro Football Hall of Fame, but we could talk about that in a second. But let's let's yeah. get through this because this is honestly what everyone's talking about anyway. Yeah, I, I turned on sports radio for the first time in a long time. I was driving down I ninety today, and um, Danny Parkins on six seventy out here. The score, I uh, was being it was eloquently discussing this, uh, and then the first thing I've ever I've heard him. Or I mean, I, he's pretty political and stuff anyway. I mean, they weren't talking about anything but this. So I, I have a feeling that everyone is talking this today. So go ahead. Continue. Well, no, it's more of a question because I don't completely understand. Like my, like provinces in Ontario can't do nearly provinces in Ontario, Kirk nice provinces in Canada don't have the same kind of powers that States do. So mm-hmm. when it comes to like the, the, the justice and policing act, can that be nationally put through? Yeah, I mean, it's, there, there are lots of things that can naturally be put through under different clauses. So I'll give you a weird example, because I was a law, a law student and a lawyer at one point. By the way, just before we get there, CALEA stands for, uh, hold on, oh, I just had it and I accidentally closed it. Give me one second. CALEA stands for the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies. It's, okay. a, uh, it's uh, something having to do with standards that should be upheld. But so here's here's a case from long ago. But uh, when you you know how all trucks are standard sized uh, across the country here, mm-hmm. um, the state of the so they build bridges generally to the height uh, for overpasses so that trucks can easily pass underneath them. The state of South Carolina intentionally built their bridges too short, and the reason for that was people then had to drop their trucks unload all their cargo, put it on new trucks, and use South Carolina trucks in the state in order to get under the bridges. That, the, that went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said essentially forced South Carolina to change the heights of all their bridges, all their overpasses, because there was a violation of the Interstate Commerce Clause. Right? So there's all sorts of weird things. So the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution essentially says that any right that's not given to the federal government is given to the states and to the people. The Tenth Amendment is a more big thing that gets used when necessary by people on the right until, there's, until somebody wants, you know, to have an abortion and then 
and that has to be banned statewide, nationwide, and you can't do it state by state. Um, so states have, we're not technically a democracy, we're a republic, of, or a democratic republic of a collection of states have all agreed together to get together and work as a cohesive unit, a somewhat cohesive unit anyway. Um, so states have the right to do certain things, but the federal government does have the power to enforce fairness across the board. So things like um, gerrymandering of political districts or uh, voter suppression or, uh, God, I don't know, um, whether or not you can move uh, an endangered species from one state to another. Like those things are things that the federal government can force states to have laws that they abide by, um, but not everything. So there are certain things that, like uh, gun laws, vary from state to state drastically. Okay. Um, and everyone talks about the number of guns in Chicago, Illinois, in that Chicago is one of the strictest gun laws in the country. Well, Indiana's right next door and has one of the laxest gun laws in the country. Chicago basically hits Indiana and just keeps going into Gary and all the way across, right? Um, it's super easy just to drive 10 minutes, get a gun immediately that day, and bring it back without any issue. So it's a weird mishmash of laws all over the place that makes it kind of crazy what's illegal in one state is entirely legal in another. And it's, it's weird. Oh, another one. Another one that came up, the defense um, gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Gay marriages have to be recognized all over the country. That's Whether recent, not right? State, that's recent, yeah. So the first state that did that was Massachusetts, the, oh. sorry, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We have 46 states and four commonwealths. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the state Supreme Court, Supreme Judicial Court, that's what called Supreme Court in Massachusetts, and the Goodrich decision uh, in 2004 voted that that gay couples should have the same right to marry, or same-sex couples should have the same right to marry as, as opposite-sex couples. And that was the first time it was illegal, 2004. That was 16 years ago. Um, and since then, it's gone state to state, and they finally it got, when all the Supreme Court, Supreme Court said if they're married in one state, they're married in all states. At the same time, the Supreme Court held in 1892, I believe, because it hasn't come up since then, that polygamy is illegal. And in fact, they, they uh, required the states of Idaho, Wyoming, Arizona, and New Mexico, when they came into the union, to put that polygamy, polygamy is illegal in their state constitutions when they, before they'd allow them in. So that's currently illegal. If a state tried to say polygamy is not illegal... That would be banned. It's a weird back and forth. Everyone's trying to push and determine exactly what you can and cannot do all the way through. And it varies back and forth. And sometimes it's legislative stuff that gets it done. And a lot of times it's judicial that makes that get stuff done. So Always learning. I, I could have sworn it was Vermont or New Hampshire that was first, but... Or maybe it just no, made so, sense so to me. Hawaii, Hawaii did something in the 90s, and then it got repealed. But oh. Massachusetts was the first one to have it and keep it. Okay. So I was, I was in law school in Massachusetts at the time. So 
And as uh, to quote the quote, uh, Tim Curry and Clue, I know because I was there. So <laughs> this might be the only time that Clue will ever be referenced. On oh, the you show. don't know me well enough, my friend. Oh well, you know. I re- I reference Clue all the time. I just haven't brought it up here. We haven't had many uh, many opportunities. You know what, though? I've just stood corrected. You have brought up Clue before. When you talked uh, about Jane, we- exactly Jane Weedlin. Because we talked about oh, the Jane go- Weedlin. Yes, I am your singing I am your singing telegram. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is an effective cameo right there. Yes, I have brought up Jane Weedlin. Well, I say, I, I, so, but I'm a mash guy, so like Nurse Kelly as the cook. Yes, Kelly Nakahara. Mm-hmm. The, the, the recently deceased. The recently deceased Kelly Nakahara, correct. Yeah, that's a, that's a movie that divides my wife and I. I never thought I'd marry a woman who didn't like Clue, but I, here we are, almost 12 years later. So, I, I tried to get... Anyways, let's get, let's, should we get off of politics? Yeah, but I, I, got, I got to sort of like... T- Build up on that one because I never thought I'd marry uh, marry someone. Actually, I knew I'd never marry someone who like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Okay, because no one likes Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. No women do do anyway. I don't think I'm aware of what that is. Well, the rock band Kiss they meet the Phantom of the Park. Yeah, that's I know who Kiss is. I have no idea what the Phantom of the Park is. Do I have homework again? No, no, you don't. You don't want to see it. But basically, at the height of <laughs> at, at Kiss popularity, nineteen seventy-seven or seventy-eight, they made a movie that was done by Hanna Barbera, and it was mm. all the way Scooby Doo. So much so that the drummer Peter Chris uh, never showed up for looping. So the same voice that is in like God damn it, I can't remember like. For one, for some of the Hanna Barbera characters, is that that voice? Ace didn't show up for a couple times for uh, for stunt work, so in a fight scene, Ace has all of a sudden become a very large African American man. Well, yeah, that's his, that's his goal, isn't it? Uh, well, he's actually in nineteen seventy seven. Everybody wanted to be Shaft. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It was sitting there. I'm glad you hit it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just by the way, I know you brought up Scooby-Doo and Hanna-Barbera. The one passing I did want to sort of touch on because we didn't have anyone we really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joe Ruby passed away the first week. Did you know who Joe Ruby was? No, I do not. So Joe Ruby is the creator of Scooby-Doo. Oh, okay. For Hanna-Barbera. So he also did um, he did Thunder of the Barbarians. He did uh, Dog Wonder, Jabberjaw. Uh, Mr. T, Alvin the Chipmunks, those are all him. Damn. So, yeah, he passed away at 87. I, we don't have anyone to relate to Hall, even like remotely this week, but I did want to just, I was going to bring that up at some point, but since you brought up Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a tie-in. So, yeah, Joe Ruby passed at 87. And there was a, a Scooby-Doo movie with Kiss. Mm-hmm. And there was one with uh, the Harlem Globetrotters. I'm sure there were many with the oh, Harlem yeah. Globetrotters. There had to be. Yeah. I don't. Okay. I, I I really blew this to sort of come up with a segue from the Harlem Globetrotters to and to. All right. How do I come up with a segue? I I, I, I tried. I was like, they're a sports team, so let's go from there. <laughs> well, since there are none that are available, 
let's talk about Bill Nunn. No, that didn't work. Ah, uh, there we go. The, yeah, so Bill Nunn, the first scout ever a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, would Gil Brandt count as that? I get, well, was Gil Brandt a GM too, though? Because I always felt that he got in because for a scouting. That is true, but he was a GM who got in for a scouting. So I guess, you know what, I take that back. Okay. The first pure person who was only ever a scout. We got in to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How's that for a set? Yeah, no. He's not in yet, but he's going to get in. There are too many people. At this point, Flores, Nunn, and Pearson are in because there are way too many people behind them to waste time Mm -hmm. not putting them in. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's sort of interesting to me, too, that it sort of took – and it wasn't just Nunn. There were were other people who were sort of looking at the historically black black colleges, so he wasn't necessarily unique in that, but his work – like some of the players that he brought or helped to scout, Elsie Greenwood, Mel Blunt, Blunt. I always never was Mel Mel Blount. Was Mel Blunt? Mel Blount. I know it's I not. I think it depends whether they're from Pittsburgh or not. I know it's not Mel Blank, huh? Cartoon thing? No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're segueing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't, won't be the last time. Ernie Holmes, John Stallworth, Donnie Shell. And, and that wasn't. I was reading too. It wasn't just so much going to the HBCUs. It was just going to other, like lower division colleges that a lot of people weren't necessarily looking at. Uh, without him, mm-hmm. are the Steelers four time champions in the seventies? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think. I don't think that's arguable. Like the, if you look at that list of people he convinced the Steelers to get, I don't think that's arguable. I mean, how many Hall of Famer? The Blunt. Uh, Donnie Shell, who just got in last year. Elsie Greenwood was uh, one of the people they considered for the uh, mm-hmm. the Veterans Committee spot this year. Who else did you say? Uh, John Stallworth. Stallworth Hall of Famer. Yeah, uh, Holmes isn't and probably shouldn't be, but still like a phenomenal player in that system. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, and I think yep. also, too, it sort of ties back with just like what a great guy, uh, you know, that Art Rooney was. Yeah, or Dan Rooney, Rooney, sorry. Was a, one of the Art, I know I know we talked about the, the American Hall of Fame and contributors. Art Rooney would have to be yeah. one of the early people I consider for a contributor in sports. Well, it, no, it's it's Dan Rooney, right? Oh, sorry, it's Dan Rooney. Okay. No. Yeah, yeah Dan Rooney. It's Art now. It's an, and, you know, the architect of the of the Rooney rule, which hasn't quite panned out the way it should have, but it's still it's it's so weird to say ahead of its time, but it feels like it is. But, it, but he's also sorry. He's also the guy who uh, is was largely responsible for getting the league to pool stuff together to make to keep competitive balance between the teams. That's true too. I mean, it's just so many so many great things that sort of came out of Pittsburgh football. Uh, like, no wonder. That it's it's one of those weird teams that you find like it, I don't know when I'm going to the states next, but you know just I, you find Steelers fans everywhere in the United States, and for, yeah, you do. And it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not a town that hey, let's let's take the family to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh is a much nicer city than people would expect. No, 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 and, I, and I've been there you know quite quite a few times uh, just because it's only a five hour drive from uh, where like Toronto still though it's a five hour drive from Toronto what are you doing okay 
Go ahead. Well, <laughs> there was a time that when our dollar was at par, mm. I was I, I would be doing shop, be shopping in Pennsylvania, like every three months. Wasn't supporting, the, yeah, wasn't supporting the Canadian Canadian economy too well, but you know, I, damn, I had to look good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, and it's not just the player, it's not just the dynasty. It's how do you not sort of like love a team that doesn't turn over their head coach every three years? That yeah, are, I mean that's the thing. If if you are named the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, the odds of you getting the Hall of Fame are approximately seventy five percent. <laughs> and and uh, actually even higher if you uh, make it as an analyst. Mm, true that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll I'll never yeah. stop taking shots at uh, David Baker. I'll never. <laughs> He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I, I was surprised he wasn't on one of the contributors that they considered. Uh, that was an interesting list. But uh, go, go go back and finish your Pittsburgh service thing, and then we can go back to the list and uh, Mr. Nunn. Uh, no, that's pretty much like my my sort of end for that. Just like those okay. those he was just part of a whole organization that makes the Steelers that iconic. I think I'm trying to remember what city I was. It was either Georgia or South Carolina. Well, yeah, it was South Carolina. Yes, because I I did a road trip with someone to go catch a Panthers game, and we stumbled stumbled into yeah, it would have been South Carolina, like in the middle of nowhere, and it's a Steelers bar. Like, what the hell? <laughs> but that's what it was. Yeah, one of my favorite bars in uh, D.C. I can go to on Sunday because there's a Steelers bar. It was uh, crazy, crazy Steelers fans there. I went there once with my buddy uh, Schwa, who Josh Kessler, but he went by, we jokingly call him Schwa for the second half of Joshua, who's a huge Steelers fan. And uh, we went there and it was absolutely nuts in that little bar. Can't remember the name of it right now, but we went. We used to go there when I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen, and may not have been legal to get in. Uh, and then afterwards, and it was a, it is a completely different place. It's 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 incredible how many Steelers fans there are everywhere. I agree. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I love this choice. Uh, I love everything about it. I don't feel that this is pandering. I really don't. A hundred percent not. Hundred percent not. Yeah, uh, I mean, Bill Hay could have obviously been in this spot. Uh, Ralph Hay. Ralph Hay. Why do I keep saying Bill Hay? I don't know. There's Ralph Hay. No, Ralph Hay is somebody else who, I mean, the league doesn't exist without him. The fact he's not in already is kind of ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that'll be taken care of in this four-year period. I really do. Yeah. Well, the other people who they had discussed from what we, from what I saw were Bud Adams, who I thought was the person they were going to put in. So I just figured they're going to go through owners first. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bud Adams, Dick Haley, Ralph Hay, uh, Bucko Kilroy, who's somebody who's been discussed uh, for a long time but was never even shown on a ballot until last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie, Co- Eddie Coitel, uh, Patriots owner Bob Kraft. This would be a weird year to put him in. Um, Art McNally, so the, the guy who I said should be the nominee, the uh, referee, because there's still no referees in the NFL Hall of Fame. McNally's 95 years old and allegedly finished second in the voting, from what I heard. Uh, but he also allegedly finished fourth in the voting for last year. So it may just be tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, Art McNally, uh, uh, Cowboys former owner Clint Murchison, uh, Carol Rosenblum, Jim Tunney, another referee, uh, GM Jack Venisi, and Lloyd Wells 
Um, so it was an interesting group, if only for no other reason than Art Modell was not one of the ones considered. I presumed he would be. Um, but yeah, even out of that group, I think, I mean, I don't think it mattered what the group was. Bill Nunn is an excellent, excellent selection. Yeah, so, so we got a hall that's sort of, we sort of ragged on them last week, but, you know, kudos where kudos is due. I want to rag on the baseball hall right now. And, oh, go for it, please. Yeah, and it's the decision to sort of push back a year, which I guess pushes back everything a year, for the early days and the Golden Era Committee. And why? Yeah, I don't understand. The thing that sort of stuck out in me in their official press release, I mean, it was the usual stuff, like blah, 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 COVID, COVID-19. And so, like, uh, uh, Vinny, Vinny Laspinuso, a regular contributor, uh, sent out a message, like, right, like, right away to me. Like, so they've never heard of Zoom? <laughs> and, yeah. but the thing that sort of got me when I was reading the, reading the release was how they wanted to keep everything confidential. It's like, yeah, so there we go. You don't want any of us to see it and and have mm-hmm. it have one of these one of these things breached because you and I have been very vocal. You a little bit more than myself, and I think a lot more people, even more than more than yourself, about the clear. I don't want to say hypocrisy. That's not the right word, but the uh, I, I guess sort of the, the banging on the drum by Ryan, Jerry Reinsdorf to get Harold Baines in. Uh-huh. Or at least that's what we believe. It, it may not have been the case, but it was the case. <laughs> uh-huh. What don't they want us to see? What are they saying behind those doors that are this? That is this awful? That, that stuck to me, and nobody commented on this. At least, if they did, I didn't catch it. I mean, well, I, what I what I think. I think that, like, when we have the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the people are talking and we find out how, how long they talked about everyone, I don't think they want personal opinions voiced and debate going back and forth to get back to the candidates because it's not necessarily personal, even though it will 100% feel personal. And I think maybe that's what the concern is and they can't control it. Maybe somebody hacks in and whoever else. But, I mean... It's 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 silly. There's there's no other, there's no other way to say it. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I get the confidentiality to a point. I mean, I'm not asking them to be. I mean, I'd love for them to be transparent to watch that, but clearly that's a big issue because they don't want to breach that. They're that concerned. Uh huh. And I just hope that, you know, we don't see anyone pass, you know, in that time frame. I, I really don't. And oh, oh, we're, we're going to, though. Yeah, because it's happened. These things have happened. Uh, I can't – I know there's one specifically for the baseball. He wasn't pushed back, though. But uh, one of the members of the day, Clark Five, when Jan Wenner pulled his uh, stunt and sort of flipped a vote. Mm-hmm. Which is I'm kind yeah, of the uh, Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly believe Grandmaster is more deserving, but one hundred percent. That's not what you. It's not like you ever you never bent a rule, so you put them in too. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Well, I mean, that is the thing about the, at least the baseball hall gives you the vote totals at the end. The rock hall doesn't even give you that. No, 
Look, they, they, they don't even know how many voters – the voters, or the voter I've talked to, doesn't even know how many – like what percentage she is. She has no idea. Like, I, yeah. I'm, I'd love to know how many people are voting. We probably never will. The only thing I know for sure yeah. is that existing, uh, existing uh, or, or living, living uh, inductees have a vote. That's all I know. Yeah, right. Yeah, that much. Yeah, that much we know, and a few journalists and who else knows. But yeah, it's it's crazy. This would be fun. Johnny Rotten's ballot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Johnny Rotten. I I have a feeling Johnny Rotten does not vote. I don't know. I've, I've said it before. If you've ever been to the Rock Hall, yeah, uh, they have they go through everybody and all their songs and putting them in class by class, and you get to the Sex Pistols, and it's just a letter from Johnny Rotten saying that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a piss stain on the world of music, and then they go back to playing more music again. That to credit, they put it up there exactly. Uh, but yeah, because I saw the same video you did. And were you wondering, like, when they got to the Sex Pistols, okay, how are they going to address this? And they did it, uh, they're a credit, they did it perfectly. Own it. I thought. Yeah. yeah that, that, I mean, what else are you going to do? That was a great way to do it. That's one of the, th- one of the things they have done best. And it's, uh, it, with the Rock Hall, it's kind of a short list, so <laughs> it stands out. And for that, that reason. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, back, back to the cowards of baseball. Mm. The battered cowards of baseball. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, I, Manfred didn't really cover himself in glory either this week, so. Or today. Although that's, well, today in particular, yeah. Although apparently that's not true, or they're, or they're pinning that on someone else, which was what? Apparently, I'm trying to remember the exact story. Uh, they were trying to get, get met the Mets to sort of like push everything back an hour as their protest, but then they said, no, no, it was, it was someone else's idea. I forget who, but someone in Mets management, but they still have a video of them saying Manfred's an idiot, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was Bobby Scopgoat, uh, who, who told them to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Rob Manfred doesn't like baseball, um, and is over his head. Unlike, any executive since God, who's the worst commissioner I can think of? I mean, it's got to be uh, uh, Bowie Kuhn, right? Is there someone worse than Bowie Kuhn? I'm forgetting. The more I read about Kennesaw Mountain Landis, but oh, he was a racist dickhead. Yeah, uh, I mean he he's a re- he's a reason there were no African American players in baseball for so long. Mm-hmm. Like Kennesaw Mountain Landis is a terrible human being. And, term, and the fact he kept the black players out was reprehensible. The way he ran baseball was much like a, I mean, nobody had any freedom movement and you were basically a indentured servant to your team. Uh, so there's not much great to say about it, except for the fact it worked for a long period of time. Bowie Kuhn was entirely over his head from the very beginning. And I think Rob Manfred, I think Rob Manfred is... If Rob Manfred ever gets in the Baseball Hall of Fame, it should just dissolve. Like, you put his plaque on the wall and the building itself should just crumble into ashes. With every passing month, 
he justifies Gary Bettman's existence more and more. It's incredible. And I actually think Gary Bettman's, after he's been inducted to the Hall of Fame, it's like, oh, maybe I should live up to this. He's actually done pretty good. Comparatively, I mean, well, comparatively, he, yes. I, well, I mean, basketball has the best commissioner right now, oh, so and we all know that he's a, he's an NBA spy. So he's allowed to be fine when the when the basketball commissioner is doing so well. So, yeah, and I, I got to hand it to, to Adam Silver. Just like immediately, he just knew exactly what to do. Do you think? And I was thinking about this today. Also, when I was thinking about Adam Silver, I keep wondering if he's related to the lead singer of Midnight Oil, but. <laughs> hey, it's possible. Right, good. <laughs> if, if David Stern was still the commissioner when the uh, Donald Sterling thing happens, because that was what a month in, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's about a month in. Correct. Does David Stern do the same thing? I don't know. I, I was wondering. I don't know why I was worrying about that today, but I was. Maybe just because, like, Adam Silver has just done everything so perfectly. And the respect that he clearly has from the players. I've never seen anything like this before. No. No, he has a respect for the game, respect for the league, and respect for the players. And that's something which, I mean, Manfred has none. Uh... I would say Bettman has respect for ownership. He mm-hmm. somewhat respects the players, and I don't know about the league in general. Uh, Goodell, God, Goodell is somehow not the worst commissioner, and he's wholly incompetent. Although, to be fair to Goodell, the last six months, mm-hmm. it's like all of a sudden he grew, I don't know whether it's the spine or a heart or both. Um, I was going to go with testicles. Yeah, I just, he's been significantly better of a scumbag robot, but he's a scumbag robot with a heart, or begin, the beginnings of one. So mm-hmm. that's interesting as well. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting, too, to see what, going back to Goodell, that there's a big push from a whole bunch of people that probably got lost and everything else going on to have an, an investigation into the... Um, Washington football team, trademark, uh, to, and all the things that are going on in there, and basically get Snyder out. You, you, we shall see what happens with that. Did you set there up? Was a, there's a letter that went into him today. Did you set up the perfect segue done. for the last thing to talk about? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Washington football team, which still messes me up every time I sort of look at anything on ESPN and all they can put up is a football. Sorry, Washington football team trademark. Trademark. My bad. Maybe they should just put up a trademark symbol. That would sort of work better. So, yeah, Larry Michael, former executive, former voice, recently gone, abruptly quit at age 62. And then we certainly knew why shortly after as he was named in that. Uh, Just a lot of old school, like nothing specific that I've really read. Just, you know, you're, you're in your late fifties, early sixties, and you're still treating women like this. Like grow the hell up. What's the matter with you? 
there's a whole bunch of uh, that. Uh, there are a large portion of that generation of men who believe Mad Men is still going on. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's part of that old boys club that. All right, maybe I'm too. I, I don't even th- consider myself necessarily woke. I just consider myself a good person. That's it. You know. Mm-hmm. It's just treat people the way they're they me- they're meant to be treated, or maybe just because a lot of the industries that I've worked in before this life sort of happened were female dominated. I don't know. Uh, either way, he's gone from the Pro Football Hall of Fame committee, and someone I love, you may not, is, has taken his place, and that's Tony Dungy. Right. Well, you know my opinion on Tony Dungy. I'm probably his biggest hater in America. Mm. But not, said, but not for his character. character. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but... Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good person to put on this committee because uh, what, mm. what the committee needs is more sanctimony. But um, no, but in terms of replacing one complete asshole with someone who most people don't believe to be an asshole and someone who brings a different experience uh, and obviously, and um, but it's, it's relevant, the color of his skin is relevant in this because it's mostly a mm-hmm. white guy's club making these decisions. I think that's uh, that is a positive move in replacing one with the other. Right. So, yes. And so, like two of the last three uh, replacements, uh, two African Americans, one woman, and two mm-hmm. hall- two of them are Hall of Famers. Like, I, I, and I get your your sort of take against Dungy, but the man is bursting with uh, qualifications for this. Oh, hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not saying that. No, I, I have I, a personal thing against Dungy, but I think this is a good move. Actually, Dungy might be a half-brother of Adam Silver, if you look at the ears. <laughs> or Dari Nuka on ESPN. Or I guess he's the baseball network now. <laughs> that man's got perfectly straight line on the side of his head, and then his ears stick out about an inch on either side. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I applaud. I, yeah, it's, it's just one of these decisions. That's my favorite decision or Hall of Fame-related move of the week by far. It's not, it's really not even close and that's no disrespect to Bill Nunn. I just love the selection of Dungy in this role. I, I really do. Cause mm-hmm. it, it ticks every box. And if you want to sort of like play, okay, well we need more, uh, people of color. Well, he ticks that too. And mm-hmm. nobody, nobody can say that he's not qualified. And that this is a pander. Maybe you might want to say that for Lisa Salters, but there's a lot of people who, but why not her? There's so many other people in that sort of level, and she might bring a different take on this, which sort of is why I want to bring term limits to all this. Except for ours. That's different. Right. Well, in order for us to have term limits, we need to actually get it started. Which we so will. That's a whole separate thing. Yes. That, I know. Yeah, we, we, although, we will. Although, I know, to, to, to be honest with the audience, we did have a discussion this week on whether or not this was the right time. Um, yeah, but I think I, I, and I, what I said was that I think we should at least get everything moving and then uh, get everything in place and then see where things go in terms of that. But waiting to get everything in place doesn't really do us any good in terms of that. No. And uh, but wait, wait, wait for the right time. I mean, if we're making an announcement sometime after the election, hopefully things will be calmed down. But who knows? Or it might be it might be just a, a fun discussion to take our mind off. Everything else. 
Yeah, and for for those wondering what we're talking about, specifically it's the United States Athletic Hall of Fame. It doesn't exist. Uh, Evan and I are going to co-create that, and we are going to have a blast doing that, and it's all going to be completely transparent. We're putting together uh, a pretty good committee or a very diverse committee from what it looks like. Uh, We're in the process of maybe a few more weeks. There's a couple more people I need to reach out to. to sort of get that, and it's going to be completely open to the public. Yeah. So while we're doing is putting nominees out there, they're going to be there going to be a whole bunch of different categories. If you want to know what it is? Go back and listen to last week's mm-hmm. last week's group and how we decided on everything. But essentially, we're going to put out a hundred names, and the votes are all going to be not us. We're mm-hmm. just the nominating committee. It's the, it's the the New England Patriots, St. Louis Cardinals way of of doing things. So you have a committee making the nominees and vetting them. And then you're having the public vote for who actually gets it. Well, I'm going to vote. Just my vote will mean the same as everyone listening. I, I do intend to also vote. Also true. Yes. Just. Yeah, also true. Yeah. Uh, much like the fictitious athlete hall and the fictitious rock and roll hall. Because I never, if I if I wanted to play Jan Wenner, Bleeding Gums Murphy would not be in the fictitious rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> Are you sure? That would not be the Simpsons characters I would have gone with. It would have, it would have. I was going to say, if you could put one even Simpsons person in, it wouldn't be Blue Gums Murphy. No, no, it, it totally would have been the B-Sharps. Yeah, I figured. They they won a Grammy by beating Dexie's Midnight Runners. I mean, <laughs> hello? Uh, too really, really, really right, my friend. <laughs> now it's going to be in my head the whole day. The most underappreciated one-hit wonder in my opinion, is Dexie's Midnight Runners. A very interesting... I feel more unappreciated one-hit wonder. I'm a big fan of Looking Glass with uh, Brandy. Okay, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay something on you that you didn't know I'm working on. I, I've got a second show that's going to come out soon. And Oh, wow. Yeah, so you, you're, you're probably going to have to sub in a couple times if you want. Okay, fine with me. All right. I will be looking at random number one songs, again, from my love of the United States and how they got there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, the lo- a lovely lady by the name of Andrea, so a nice little female voice to sort of drown out my droning, will be joining <laughs> me for that. And we will be looking at that. We've uh, and, and Brandy is one that I... I've let her pick the first one. I'll, I'll leave that uh, as a mystery for now. But Brandy, your fine girl, was one I was leaning towards because that went number one the day after I was born. Ah, well, that is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, so it, I love songs that tell a story, and that song tells a story all the way through. So yes. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for Johnny Cash for that reason. That every one of his songs is a whole story that goes on through the whole thing. Um. But yeah, no, that uh, Brandy is one of my, one of my, I don't care what's going on, I stop what I'm doing if it comes on the radio songs. So. Well, it's, it's either going to be, the, it can't be the one that on the day I was born, because I have no memory of the song at all, and I don't care to research it. Gilbert O'Sullivan, Alone Again Naturally, I don't care about it. <laughs> I, zero, zero interest. I, I will say that our, our first song is a complete dud. 
So I thought I'd sort of follow up with this one. I might change it, but it's definitely going to be something that went number one in 72. That much I know. All right. And you'll well, probably be on an episode or two. All right. Well, here's, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. The, you know, since you're the expert on number one songs, what is the longest title song ever to go to number one? And to give you a hint, it would have been tied in letters with uh, the song by another one-hit wonder, uh, Primitive uh, Radio Gods, standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand. But that song only went to number two. So what is the longest titled song ever to go to number one? Can you give me a year? I'm just, uh, not off my head. I'll have to think it, plug it up. Hold on. Let's see. Longest title that ever go to number one. It is, what year is this? Uh, it was released January 1975. Oh, crap. All right, what would that be? I'm trying to think of some of songs with, like, obscenely it, long titles. It won the 1976 Grammy Award for Best New Artist, I believe. It's not Debbie Boone. It is not. Yeah, she won, I believe, all those things. Uh, and you, you Light Up My Life wasn't that long a title. This new artist who came out in 75. It hit number one April 26, 1975. Okay. Yeah, give me another hint. Um, it also charted in the country charts. It won the 76 Grammy for Best Country Song. But that happened in the 70s a lot. With the pop charts and country charts. Oh, I know it's not Convoy. My era's right, but... That right era, but no. C.W. McCall, another great... Another great one-hit wonder. Pigpen, this is a rubber duck. Hey, yeah. Smokies are thick like bugs on a bumper. They even got a bear in the air. We gotta bring this convoy all across the USA. (laughs) Yeah. And... uh, what is it? Seven long-haired friends of Jesus in a chartreuse microbus? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm stumped. I don't know. B.J. Thomas is the singer. Does that help? B.J. Thomas. Uh, raindrops keep falling on my head? No, that was hey, earlier. Hey, won't you Hey, won't you play another somebody oh, dumb somebody that. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who would later go on to sing what? the Growing Pains theme song. He would. Oh, actually, I, so we have, we, I was in between radio stations uh, and commercials here on the radio, and sometimes I switch over to 87.7, which is BTV radio here in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I turned over there, and I got the entire Golden Girls theme song. Not just, like, the part they played on TV, but there's, like, four verses of that song. Huh. I was super excited. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I didn't even know this was a thing because they sometimes will play like the Happy Days theme song and keep going. So I got the first part of Golden Girls theme song. I'm expecting to end. No, it keeps going. It was great. <laughs> you know, uh, how is it that a show with, you know, with featuring literally women of, I guess they would all have been in their 60s, in the 80s, tackle topics that's relevant today? Yeah, that is, if you go back and watch that show, which for some reason every time we come off Netflix, my wife and I are watching at night, it automatically goes to the station that is showing Golden Girl reruns. 
I don't know why. It's, our TV's never set to that, but that's the channel it comes off on, and it's always Golden Girl reruns at the time we're done watching TV. Um, but that show, pretty much, I mean, some of the topics they handled in very 1980s sitcom way, but it holds up so well. It's crazy how well it holds up. And part of that has to do with B. Arthur, probably, because she was, uh, I mean, B. Arthur's character on Maud was the first character in television history ever to have an abortion. Yeah, there's a visual, too, I never wanted. Yeah, but, I mean, the fact that they're even willing to tackle it. That's true. In 1970-whatever is insane, because we're talking about, we're talking about, it's about the same time where Kirk and Uhura had the first interracial kiss on a television program, other than the one time, was it Nancy Sinatra kissed uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and they went immediately and ended the show. Oh, like, I know about that. Time and, I'm sorry? I didn't know about that. Yeah, there were not talks about the first kiss, but that one actually happened. It was, I think it was Nancy Sinatra. Uh, it was, it, regardless. But the first scripted time it ever happened, and that only happened because it was written in, the censors didn't want it, and James and James T. Kirk uh, himself, every, they said, let's just do a kissing one. And they did a few of those, and every time they had one where they didn't kiss, he made a crazy face at the end, which they didn't realize until he got to the editing room. And the only good takes they had were where he kissed them. So he basically forced it into the show because they didn't have anything else they could put in there for the end of the scene. I, That's how they got it through. Do you think Shatner was doing that more because he just really wanted a, to do as many takes as possible? That is also entirely possible. But if he's, if he's hamming for the greater good, I'm all for it. So, the, the, uh, But yeah, many... I'm just trying to think Shatner doing something for the greater good culturally. My namesake. Yeah. On this strange planet, my senses are lowering. My vocabulary is stunted. Um, Because I I told uh, you I'm named after that, right? Yes, I know. I do know that. Yeah. That's why your middle name is Tiberius. No. um, Yeah, if only that would have been cooler. (laughs) Uh, no, but I'm saying that was happening essentially or close to the same time that Maude was doing the first abortion comic and our first abortion discussion on any television program. So she was super woke way ahead of time. And it's why it holds up today. It seems much more contemporary than, God, what was the one I saw? Uh, first of all, Green Acres is the worst show ever created. Uh, which is like the complete opposite. But what was the one I was watching the other day that was just so bad? I saw an episode of Mr. Belvedere. Oh, that's a terrible show. That, that was on. I love it too, but that show is bad. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is, this would never make, we also have to understand television medium of choice now, these days. It used to be where people who couldn't make it in movies went. And now people are going back and forth like anything. If they have an idea, they're using both mediums. But that show is not good. I can't even imagine if I watch an old episode of Charles in Charge or something worse like Friends. (laughs) (laughs) Charles in Charge. My God. What a horrific show that was. Oh yeah, that was I. I mean, that was a bad time period. We had 
We had that. We had Small Wonder. Remember Small Wonder? I do. I do. That was the early, the, the early days of syndication. Yeah, that, that show, first of all, it's a bad idea to have a show where a girl's a robot and can't get older and she's a kid. So it's not going to last very long by definition. Um, mm-hmm. But, God, that show was creepy and terrible. It, it, was, it was like Punky Brewster and then... Well, Punky got doing pretty Punky pretty in, well endowed. <laughs> and yeah, was... well, they, they're, they're, yeah, they're redoing Punky Brewster. And plus, Punky Brewster had the very special episode where Cherry got stuck in the refrigerator, which is still one of the most terrifying episodes I ever saw as a kid. So, the, so you've just reminded me of one of my really bad, obscure impressions. Oh, good. Okay, so George Gaines... Well, I forget okay. the character's name he played. I think it was George. Mr. Punky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, it's like, uh, can be a punky. That's it. Punky. Yeah. Uh, that's not yeah, one of my I, better ones, but no one else does a, it. A few, a few years ago, and now I'm thinking it's probably about, it was before I met my wife, so probably 13 or 14 years ago. Oh, God, more than that at this point. One of my friends decided to have a uh, disturbing movie marathon where we just watched like shows or shows and movies that traumatized us as kids. So we watched Dark Crystal and Return to Oz, and we watched the two two episodes of Punky Brewster, the one where Cherry gets stuck in the refrigerator and playing hide and go seek, and the one that basically was an acid trip for Punky Brewster when they're lost in this cave. And all of her friends like dying become part of the cave and they're chasing after Owatagusayam, this evil spirit. So that show I don't remember that, that show may not have been good. It, it had a bit of an impact on us. My, my chaser to that, if I would have been around there, would have been uh, the Different Strokes episode where uh, Mr. Carlson uh, was trying to rape Dudley. Yeah, that was one that we discussed but we did not watch. Yeah, that's that's another one. Okay, I, mine doesn't top it. My, uh, the, a film fest I did in college with actually a friend of mine who actually I hadn't seen her in twenty years, and she came down here before the pandemic. Just ha- she happened to be she had already planned this trip before I before I moved here. Anyway, uh, so in college we did an Eric Braden art film festival. Really? Yeah, uh, and for those who don't know, Eric Braden. Was then and still is Victor Newman on Young and the Restless. And, and how was that film festival? I don't think I can name a single thing he has been in off the top of my head. Well, it was a couple German films and uh, one of the Planet of the Apes. Ah, was he the Planet or the Ape? Uh, <laughs> I got nothing this funny. I got nothing. <laughs> Damn it. Wow. All right. Well, this went on a huge tangent like it always does. Yeah, and I, I love how I'm probably going to add someone who's going to be joining joining me for a little bit of a – it's the after show where, hey, if you've got something you want to say about the Hall of Fame, whatever Hall of Fame it is, hey, let me know. I'll put you on. Get, give you your 20 minutes. I don't know how you're going to – it's already recorded, so I don't think this is – there's going to be no segue at all. The segue to Victor <laughs> Newman to uh, Kurt Flood just isn't going to work. Probably not, but you know what you should do? You should get sponsored by Segway. 
Segway, if you're out there listening, we say the word Segway more than any other show anywhere. So if you're looking for your, put your, your dollars somewhere, this is a show for you. Absolutely. We give you free advertising, meaning it or not. And if you want the most, I think what I'm going to do now is every week I'm going to come up with the worst obscure impression, but it's going to be so obscure <laughs> that it's still the best one you've ever heard. <laughs> this is my impression of a gadfly chewing on the butt of a, of a pregnant moose. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I'm not even drinking. This is crazy. <laughs> anyway, man, all right. <laughs> so what are we going to do next week? Uh, we'll see what sort of transpires. Uh, but I got a couple well, ideas. There's nothing, going, there's nothing going on, though, so I don't even know. Some, something will show up. We will sort of like run the gamut of the political situation, I'm sure, and then just mm-hmm. take that all the way to punky fucking Brewster. Because no other show will do this. All right, we need we need we need a, what we should do is just come up with like uh, on on Jimmy Fallon they'll have like the freestyle rap thing with Lin Manuel Miranda and um, and Black Thought. We need to just come up with like three random things that we give to the other person that they have to work in one episode. Done, done. Like, I'm in. Somehow, <laughs> just somehow like. Three random things. You sent me three random things, like not too obscure, but things that wouldn't come up normally. Mm-hmm. I'll, well, I don't even know what's on that list now. I think about it. Everything comes up some, uh, at one point or another. Um, <laughs> but yeah, three random things that we have to try and work in and see if we can do it. And the first person to do it successfully without, you know, without really going too far off course. I know we're really good at segways. Segways. No, so I'm not good at segways. Uh, I'm terrible. But yeah, if, if we can do it, I, I think we should just do that one episode where we have nothing to talk about. That that could very well be next week. <laughs> it could very well be, unless the Rock Hall decides to tell us. Well, that's not even yet. No, the Rock Hall. Yeah, that's actually October. Usually, if they can announce and, anything, I, it's going to be that they're going to postpone something again. Probably, but there's no reason not to at least have a vote. That's just dumb. It's the Rock Hall. Okay, you win. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, take care. (laughs) Did I not say in the intro that it was going to be a very unique show, a show that goes all over the place? I've got to do another segue, and with all, and I apologize. I'm going to apologize ahead to Alec Tessitore, a gentleman from Florida, and a fellow Blue Jays fan, even though he's not Canadian. It's interesting. I thought I thought it was interesting. I like it when people reach out to me and who are passionate about halls of fame, like I am. And if you've got, if you're someone out there listening and you want to sort of like have a 20 minute blurb on what's important to you in halls of fame, hey, reach out. We'll listen. We'll give you a platform. And that's what we did here with Alec. And I hope you enjoy that. And again, this is uh, apologies. It's probably the worst segue in sports or segue in entertainment. Maybe the worst Segway ever. Segway should sponsor us. Maybe they won't because the Segways we're using just don't work. But let's bring in Alec and it's uh, time for his at-bat. Ah! We're talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame and it's an at-bat. I can do Segways! Look at that. Oh, that rhymed. At-bat. That. Ha! I missed my calling. Maybe I didn't. (laughs) Hope you enjoy it and stick around. So I've got with me here Alec from Florida? 
is it, I believe? Yes. Orlando, Florida. I, I, have, I, I have to ask because uh, we've been following each other on Twitter for a while. How do, how do you become a Jaguars fan and a Blue Jays fan? That's almost like putting peanut butter and mayonnaise together. Well, I love the great, late, great Roy Holiday. May he rest in peace. Still a tragedy to this day. Um, just, and, you know, I love watching Fred Taylor grow up. So, I love the, I love the old, old Jaguars logo. That's what really got me, got me into it. Um, also, I love, I just love their, love the Blue Jays logo, you know, especially the, uh, um, they're, they just had, their logos are just, I'm glad they, uh, went back in 2000. 12, I think it was, they went back to the classic look because they kind of modernized in 2004, and it was like that for a while, and, you know, it kind of didn't, it kind of wasn't, it kind of didn't have that same feel, like, yeah, this is the team I want to go for, especially in 2003, they literally had a one, the logo, they had a logo from one year in 2003, I think it was one year, it was a, um, it was the Blue Jay. It was it was muscular, and he had a T tattoo to his uh, arm, and that's probably my favorite Blue Jay logo. It's corny, but I love it. <laughs> you love you, you love what you love. I'm a Saints fan because I grew up as a Nordique fan back in uh, the day. So when I first started watching uh, the National Football League, yeah, that was sort of like the natural thing to sort of gravitate to when you go from a Nordiques fleur de lis to one in the Saints. Uh, yes, actually, I would have thought you were a Canadian just even by your uh, screen name. Uh, so, what what what's your Twitter handle for everyone to follow if they want to after this? Uh, Alex Hesitori at fifteen, um, and T E S S I T O R E fifteen. But but also showing up as Bitor in the Snow Dog. Yes, big Rush fan here. Well, that's also Rush. why I thought you were a Canadian. Now, you know, my dad's a big Rush dad's a big Rush fan, too, so I got that from him. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, one of the things that you really wanted to, to uh, talk about, and that sort of, I guess it'll be sort of the second time that's going to be talked on the show, but I love different differing perspectives on this. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame made an announcement uh, a couple of days ago that kind of bothered a lot of people like us who really follow this closely. They will not have a ceremony, or they don't have an election process for 2020 and it's going to be delayed till 2021 and some of these people are they're significantly older so they might not be around to necessarily make it providing that they are in fact the ones discussed my visceral reaction from it was when they came up with this in the press release one of the things that they mentioned was the confidentiality of it and it made me wonder what the hell are they saying in there that they don't want people to hear because obviously they don't want to cra- people to crash a Zoom meeting. That was my first gut reaction. Uh, what's uh, sort of you? What's a you? I I think it's uh, I don't get it, man. Um, you know, I think the main reason was I understand that oh maybe they still do the election process with paper ballots and they still haven't upgraded or oh if you're gonna add. They're probably going to elect at least two new members by the two VC committees, and that oh maybe a uh, eight people getting elected or being inducted in 2021. That's going to be too much. Though I can say that on that team is one of the first uh, ne- woman Negro League players, Tony Stone, 
who I think should be in should be in the baseball hall of fame as well. Um, I think there's certain attributes achieved that she didn't contribute too much, but she's one of the few players that actually played in a professional major league baseball game, and I think that's very worthy. We already have a woman, uh, woman. Negro League woman in the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, Ephraim Manley, who was the uh, co-owner along with her husband of the Newark Eagles, and he, they, he was abducted, and uh, she wasn't abducted in 2006. And uh, so, and then you have the great Buck O'Neill, who made mm-hmm. so much of Negro League history possible. Like, like it's on. I think it was unfortunate that he didn't get to see. Him being inducted, cause, and they said they named the Buck O'Neill Award after him, which was nice. But I would have loved to see him inducted, inducted like as in a plague inducted, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, why do you think he wasn't part of that uh, large group of former Negro League players? I'm not sure about this. Um, someone knows this. Please correct me on this, but I heard that he rejected a plague. He rejected um, uh, him being enshrined and decided to have an award named after him. Interesting. Okay, we'll have to look. We'll have to look through that. Uh, now, for the fifth, from the 1950 to 1969, uh, one someone someone who I've talked about quite a bit on on uh, previous shows, uh, I'm, is Kurt Flood. Now, statistically. I, Anyone can sort of say why he doesn't belong, but he so much does. Yeah, I do think as a as a pioneer, yes, just not as a player. And we had, Mar- I think he needs to be in now that Marvin Miller, who was elected by the Modern Era Committee back in December, along with Ted Simmons, um, is in. He and Miller kind of helped with the contract clause and free agency. So yeah, I'm in favor of his candidacy. Yeah, I've sort of maintained. Actually, I had a sort of a joke with uh, Evan Nolan, who who was my regular co-host. I, I sort of said that I almost want to create an award. Whoever sort of signs the biggest contract should be awarded the Kurt Flood Award that year because that there doesn't happen a, without Kurt. Not a good idea. <laughs> uh, there is um, a may this may take off some of you, but. I'm not a Gil Hodges fan whatsoever. There have been a, quite a few on the site who aren't. <laughs> so um, that's, like, that's fine. Like, I swear, every time, like, like it seems like something, it seems like it's a worldwide catastrophe that he's not in. And and I'm like, for one thing, uh, for one thing, uh, uh, and I said, you're going to give him, I think, uh, a way better candidate from that uh, era when it comes to first base is uh, Norm Cash. Okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. Storm Great player. Norman, they called him back in the day. Um, he hit in a better, he hit in a way worse uh, hitter's park. And uh, basically both both Tiger Stadium and Dodger Stadium, those are pretty bad hitting parks. But um, I think you look at OPS, you look at uh, OPS and uh, the uh, higher percentages, he has a higher on-base percentage, higher slugging average, um, higher – he has, when it comes to those stats, he's a better player. I'm aware 
that Norm Cashman admitted to corking his bat during his batting title season, but bat, cork bats were not illegal then. So... Well, I'm going to throw a couple more names out, Odacha, uh, from this era. And again, these are people who may or may not necessarily be on, on that ballot. We don't know who it would even be uh, at this point. Uh, a lot of people are su- subject or conjecturing that Dick Allen is... I don't Dick wanna, Allen. Yeah, I don't want to say a lot, but... He's not. Yeah. So thoughts on Dick Allen? <laughs> it's a travesty. Um... I think he is not in for for a lame reason other than the fact that he was not a good teammate. And I said, which I think is not a very good excuse. Um, I think when it comes to offensive war, the only player, the only players I can think of that when it comes to offensive war that are that are uh, higher and are not in are Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds. When it comes to O War, um, I think he has. I think he just he played in an era where it was the dead, second dead ball era. The fifties and sixties uh, were pretty much the second dead ball era, and there wasn't a big hitting era. And you have a guy like Dick Allen who's playing first base, um, who's hitting thirty home runs, driving and walking almost a hundred times. Um, and and that's that's pretty impressive that he was slugging better than he was slugging better than most of the league at the time. And another and, name, another name I want to bounce off off of you, uh, Minnie Minoso. Minnie Minoso, another tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. Um, Bill James said that, uh, oh, if Minnie Minoso who had this thing for uh, publicity stunts. Like, he would play, he'd be pretty old. I think he's the oldest player to play in an MLB game. He is. Yeah. Um, yeah, he came back and had a little comeback routine in the 70s and 80s. I think he tried in the, uh, he tried with the 90s with then the White Sox uh, minor league affiliate, the uh, Fort Meyer Miracle. Um, and then he played a little bit with the uh, in the, he played in that bat with an independent league team, I forgot. So yeah, he played in a somewhat of a professional league from in every single decade except for the uh, decade uh, until he passed in uh, 2015. Yes, he was a. I think he was. He was. Uh, I think when it comes to Latin American and baseball, he's a pioneer, and he's he had a great glove. He, he was very fast. Um, his, uh, his speed percent, I think, uh, speed percentage, um, I, he was a better, he was better at stealing bases, I think, than, uh, Lou Brock, um, and who, and, uh, because he was, and, uh, just, just, I don't think the writers like that, oh, he came back two different times, so I don't think that is why he is in, because he came kind of soiled his hall chances with those uh, with those little publicity comebacks. Well, you never know what it is that sort of, that could rub voters the wrong way, and it could be so many different things. People vote on people, and... And it's, it's one thing that I always try to remember, as much as I can try to be as objective as possible, uh, I've only met a handful of former baseball players uh, 
in my, in my life, uh, none of which have ever been on a ballot. Actually, the one I've met, the biggest name I ever met, they're not won't be allowed on the ballot, and that's being Pete Rose. So, people will still will still can rub people the wrong way, or they can just rub them the right way. Uh, no pun intended with that. But you like what you like, you dislike what you dislike, and I I look at sometimes voters. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think baseball voters might be sort of the worst in this specific case. They're like people at the border. You know, you're crossing the border from, from, and again, I'm just speaking as a Canadian, going from Canada to the U.S. That's one time I always keep my mouth shut. My sarcasm is dialed down to zero. I'm giving them no reason to want to pull me over, even though I didn't do anything. You know, and I'm not going to name names here, but uh, last Hall of Fame season there are like a handful of cheater only ballots and that and that and that ticked many people off and not like i said gonna not name any names here because of privacy i don't want to i don't want to have people find find this guy and just give him hell no no that's not the issue here um this he wrote like my cheater ballot only keep the hall small and i'm and i said if the hall, the hall, baseball hall of fame, small. Um, you're gonna have to go back in time, buddy, to stop that from uh, being the thing. And then there was uh, another one, like I said, not gonna name names here, who had who had like a Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, Sosa, Sheffield ballot. He took those all off and just wrote cheater because he wanted to see cheater, a cheater only induction, which, which uh, not which uh. Which probably wasn't going to happen anyways because of, of course, the Veterans Committee electing Ted Simmons and Marvin Miller. So, yeah, it looked like for a while that, oh, Jeter was going to be the only guy elected by the writers in 2020. But that didn't be the case. Larry Walker, of course, barely got in with 76% of the vote. That was – and I'm glad – and that was very glad for me to see because I don't think I could stand a Jeter only (laughs) – only getting in. Uh, one of my closest friends will will definitely want to have a word with you. She's a big, big Jeter fan. But yeah, with Walker, I think it's the dude. Well, yeah. I've nothing against Jeter. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He is. He was. I think he deserved. Definitely deserves the Hall of Fame status, let alone a first ballot status. But I don't think. But some people act like he's the baseball messiah, and I think that goes too far. And I, I, I sort of go with you with on, with on that. I think Jeter is – Jeter for me is like Brett Favre in that they're both phenomenal great players and they both deserve to be first ballot Hall of Famers and I still think they're both overrated. Well, I think people got upset because, uh, oh, he didn't, he didn't become unanimous. Like he was one vote away, 99.7% of the vote. Like – one voter who was by private, and I don't think should be named. That thing should be private. I think. Mm, so um, that, yeah, I'll, I'll differ with you on that a bit because I prefer transparency in a hall. Uh, having said that, it is their right to, to to keep it to themselves. So if that's the game and how it is, I can't I can't get upset at that individual. But I, I would prefer a little bit of transparency. Having said that. Also, they've, they've got their own – a lot of them are on Twitter. They just have other things that they've got to write about without worrying about this too. So I, I see both sides of the coin on that. 
Uh, is there anyone you've got a bit of passion for on the early days committee uh, pre-1950? I like uh, um, two names. Okay. Uh, one, uh, one his name is, get ready for this, his name is Jack Glasscock. Uh, yes, I, I know exactly who that is. Old Pebble Jack. Um, uh, he was the Ozzy Smith of his time. Um, actually, I think uh, Ozzy Smith broke his NL fielding percentage record. Uh, guy who could field, steal bases. And then there's Jim McCormick, mm-hmm. who... Uh, Funny thing is, back in the early days, 1860s, 1870s, there were a lot of guys who, were, who won 30 games. But uh, um, I recommend uh, there's a guy on Twitter who is doing this thing and is just living out support. And it's like his whole campaign for uh, Jim McCormick for the Hall of Fame. And uh, basically, uh, he basically, Jim McCormick is like, when it comes to pitchers not in the Hall of Fame, Jim McCormick is like top five all time in wins. Um, when it comes to pitchers not in the Hall of Fame, and he actually had pretty high strikeout rate for the time being. And uh, actually, uh, actually, uh, um, um, again, if you're in sabermatics, Roger Clemens, Kirk Schilling, and Jim McCormick. When it comes to uh, when it comes to the baseball reference, and when it comes to uh, War, uh, B. War. Um, those are the highest three non-Hall of Famers when it comes to pitching. Um, so, of co- and then of course you got uh, so many catchers also that are not also uh, not in the Hall of Fame from the era, like a uh, Wally Schlag or uh, or uh, or it's not a catcher, but his brother is a Hall of Fame catcher who. I don't think should be in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the he's one of the worst veterans committee picks. Uh, Wes Farrell, his brother Rick Farrell, uh, was the catcher for the St. Louis Browns. Uh, he was a veterans committee committee pick back in the day. But Wes Farrell's the better player, though. He was a pitcher, and he's the most home runs ever hit by a pitcher. Uh, Don Drysdale has the second most. So uh, there is still a deep pull, I think, for early baseball players. And I think it's because of um, the uh, cronyism with uh, Frankie Frisch and uh, Bill Terry. You know the story of uh, Bill Terry and Frankie Frisch's cronyism? No, I don't. Well, you see, you know, Frankie Frisch uh, and Bill Terry, they were teammates together on the uh, New York Giants. Uh, both Hall of Fame players and both well-deservedly, they got to become, like, chairs of the Veterans Committee. And then they started, like, electing their teammates, like, that weren't very deserving, like Chip Halfley, uh, Jim Bonamley, Dane Bancraft, uh, Jesse Haynes. They started electing, rather than guys who are worthy of taking a second to look at, instead they just went ahead and started electing all their old teammate buddies. Sounds a little familiar with uh, what they're saying about how Harold Baines got in. Well, I think uh, well, I think Harold Baines. Uh, well, not the word. Well, not the greatest pick. Certainly not the worst pick ever. Um, but I think the Frisch Frisch Terry Coalition was worse because that could the Baines thing that just could be a one time deal. The whole Frisch and Terry thing that happened for several years until uh, 
until uh, he passed. Um, and so, and I think that is why they are not in, is because of the, those years of cronyism. And the, uh, and I think, uh, well, and I think that is unfortunate, and that is basically told, basically have told people, oh, write them off, they're probably not worth look anymore. And I, and I think, because, uh, and I think it's BS, man. Uh, but then you have certain cases like with George Davis, who was pretty much forgotten through history. Bill James rediscovered him, and a few years later, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So there are players um, like uh, Deacon White who could be or who are lost through history. They're rediscovered. You find out, hey, this guy's case is pretty impressive, and you know what? They get a second look, and bam, they're in the Hall. So, like I said, and I say the same thing for Negro leaguers, like uh, like uh, Home Run Johnson, uh, Dick Cannonball Reddy, um, uh, the uh, Radcliffe brothers. There are still, I still think there's a, I, I still think there's so much left when it comes to Negro leagues, not in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think it's, and, and I and I stand by that. And a lot of people think, oh, well, they're not connected to Major League Baseball. But I think it being a national baseball hall, baseball museum, you got to not – I don't think it should just be MLB. I think it just – I think it should be for all this basically history of baseball in North America and it did, Central yeah. America. It can, it, it can be stars. whatever they want it to be. Get some stars that were popular in the Caribbean leagues. Um, so the thing is uh, – there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot, um, by the way, uh, I think it's, uh, um, there, if you want to know, there's so many good books when it comes to, uh, the Negro Leagues, so if you want to learn more about that, I suppose you should check them out. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I really like, that's what I really like to look at, um, and then you have, and then you have, uh, there's another guy, um, Indian Bob Johnson, who, who unfortunately started when he was 28 years old, but he, in the dead ball, kind of as the dead ball area was coming to close, he was kind of like the first power hitter after Babe Ruth. He was one of the first ever players to hit 200 home runs, um, and he hit, had multiple 20-plus seasons, and, uh, and he is one of the few players to get his 2,000th hit at the age of 27, the other one being Etrio. And another thing about Bob Johnson I liked was he fought against uh, racial discrimination against Cherokee um, at the time. So he was – so, yes, there are a lot of power hitters in the dead ball era that still have not gotten a look. Um, and, and I think the idea of that we should let – let it die. That thing needs to be over with. And I don't agree with it. I mean, you do you, it's your prerogative, but I'm just not feeling it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing a bit of perspective on this. And I'm sure we'll be uh, chatting again in the future. And once again, uh, where can people follow you? Uh, Alex Tessitore, uh, 15. Uh, it's on Twitter. Or you can find me at Bytor and the Snow Dog, the Rush Song of the Fly By Night. Um, so yeah, if you—that is my Twitter handle. 
Thank you for having me on, Kurt. No, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. All right, you stay safe. Thank you so much for listening. We hope everyone out there stays safe. Look for some more content from us at nonhalloffame.com in the upcoming days. Take care.